When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, welcome to the review for our Unit 3 test. Uh, that is going to be Friday the 4th. Uh, if you're looking for the review, I gave it to you in class, a hard copy. Uh, you can find a copy on eClass as well if you didn't get one or just like to have it in front of you. Uh, so let's get rolling. Uh, first off, there's a lot of stuff on the review. Uh, I printed the review before I shortened the test. So the test was about 40 questions and I've shortened it down to 27. I don't really like the number 27. It's an odd number and uh, it's a weird number for a test, but that's where we ended and uh, that's where we're going to be. So 27 questions. Uh, so let's get going here. Voting rights. So first off for the Voting Rights Act in 1965, and there's a passage on the test and you'll need to read and interpret it. And, you know, if you can do that, you should be okay. And most of you know what the uh, what the Voting Rights Act is about. You know, it was created to give some teeth to the Civil Rights Act of 1964, which addressed a lot of things when it comes to discrimination and whatnot, but it didn't really help anything about the, the voting <clears throat> and voting rights and, and all that sort of stuff. So um, it's going to, you know, attempt to expand political participation in the country by making it safer and easier uh, for African-Americans to register to vote and to vote. As far as the amendments go that you have there, uh, you're going to, to get the topics of the, all of them with some Roman numerals, and then you got to put them in order. So you'll need to know the 15th Amendment did this, and the 17th Amendment did that, and put them in the correct order according to the... Uh, the, the, the Roman numerals. All righty. So the 15th Amendment, you need to know it's part of the Civil Rights, I mean, Civil War Amendments, excuse me, uh, along with the 13th and 14th Amendment. And it was created because despite the 14th Amendment defining who's a citizen and having all the rights, uh, people were still denying African-American males the right to vote. And so the 15th Amendment was created uh, to specifically give African-American males the right to vote. The 17th Amendment is going to be the direct election of senators. Prior to the 17th Amendment, senators were picked by your state legislatures. So the people down in Atlanta would pick our senator, which gave us really a little bit of a say-so because we got to pick the state legislatures, but we had no way of picking uh, who we wanted as a senator until the 17th Amendment, which said, hey, the people should directly elect their senators. The 19th Amendment gives women the right to vote. Pretty simple to understand that one. The 24th Amendment is going to eliminate poll taxes. And then the 26th Amendment gives 18-year-olds the right to vote. So the big thing about all these is the fact that we're going to expand the electorate. We're going to make it easier to vote. We're going to make more people able to vote, more choices when they vote, and things like that. All right, for voter turnout, if you're looking... At the review, uh, you can cross out the responses 
to a lack of voter turnout. I took that question off. Political efficacy is still on there. And that is the belief that your vote matters, that your participation in politics counts and is going to, to matter. So if you have a high political efficacy, then that means, hey, I'm going to I'm gonna go out there and vote because I need to. I'm the difference maker. If you have low political efficacy, you're probably not going to vote because you have a belief that my vote doesn't matter. So what's the point? Okay. Um, so I took out from political parties the voting types. And the stuff that I'm fixed to say probably fits, it, it kind of fits in one of these spots. So let's just talk about it here. Um, there are three types of voting choices uh, or voting rationales. And we did this uh, the week before, the Monday before the, the break, uh, where you had the amendments on the front and on the back, you had these, the voting kind of theories. There is perspective voting, rational choice voting, and then retrospective voting. Uh, so you need to know those three for the test. And I know it's not on the review. It's uh, because it got added. It, it's, I should say got added. It's down there with the voting types, the split ticket, party line, et cetera, et cetera. I just, I wasn't specific enough on the review. So anyways, uh, retrospective voting, this is where you look at the past. So what has this individual done uh, while they're in office, basically? You can't look at this for a challenger because they have no record probably. But are things going well? And if things are going well, then I'll probably vote for that person. If things are going poorly, then I'll probably vote against them. And then prospective voting, this is where you're looking into the future. Hey, I think this person is going to get this done. And you're kind of making some assumptions. You're making some guesses almost. And then you've got rational choice, which is kind of similar to the, the pr prospective voting, where you're going to vote for who's best. You know, what's the best choice for me? What's the best choice for the country or the city or the state or whatever it is you're voting in? All right. Uh, the political parties. So first off, if you're looking at the, the review, you can cross off task of the political party. Uh, and then, yeah, so the, nom the nomination process, remember, when we talk about presidents, they go through the primaries, okay? Uh, and, and I'm going to say primaries because that's what they're typically thought. You can vote in a primary either through a caucus or through a primary, but they're all kind of primaries. Alrighty. Remember, this happens when you have people from the same party running for the same office. So here in Georgia, in May, there's going to be a Republican primary for governor because you have a candidate that is going to challenge Brian Kemp on the Republican side. So they will have that in May. I'm not sure the exact date, but um, you can go and pick between Kemp and David Perdue. Whoever wins that will be the nominee for the Republican side of the ticket. Okay. Same thing happens for the president. Now, remember, <clears throat> the Democrats are probably not going to run someone. I shouldn't say probably not. They're not going to run someone against Joe Biden if Joe Biden runs again. He will run and be the, if he runs, he'll be the Democratic nominee. Okay, they're not going to make them go through that process. However, the Republicans is wide open. There's all kinds of people out there that are probably going to run. The top two at the moment probably are Trump and uh, Ron DeSantis, the governor from Florida. Although I haven't seen confirmation, there's a lot of speculation that he'll run. So they are going to have to 
decide, and I say they, the Republican Party is going to have to decide who is the candidate, who's going to be on our ticket. The Republican people, people that are Republican in all these places, will go and vote, and they get to pick who they want to run. All right? And uh, the Republicans do it to where if you win the majority of a state, you get all the votes. So winner-take-all system for them. So we'll have to wait and see who uh, gets the Republican nomination for the presidency. All righty. All that to say that it becomes official at the national convention. It used to be um, that the parties picked the candidates at the national conventions. Now, though, it is uh, the people get to pick. And we know going into the pro and going into that national convention in July and August, we'll know, hey, this is who the candidate's going to be. And they can start running a little bit early. All right, uh, political parties versus uh, interest groups. Remember, the biggest difference between political parties and interest groups is the fact that political parties are a very broad, they, they have to be concerned about every single thing. So they have a broad array of issues versus the interest groups, which they only have to wear out their one thing. Because remember, they don't want to win control of the government. They want to influence the government about their certain issues. Party platform, that is just the party's agenda, basically. Uh, you know, this is this is what we're gonna this is what we're running on. This is how if we win, this is how we're gonna govern. All right, the voting types, uh, you got split ticket and party line there, and where you did the retrospective and perspective and all that stuff. Split ticket means uh, you go and you vote, and I'll vote Republican here, I'll vote Democrat there, I'll vote Independent here. So you, you vote all over the place uh, versus party line where, okay, they got an R by their name, I'm voting for them. Oh, they got a D by their name, I'm voting for them. Just whatever the party is. You don't care who it is. <clears throat> you're just voting for them regardless. All right, if you're looking at the review, <clears throat> excuse me, I've got a head cold going on that's messing with me. Uh, you got a political party. Parties change and adapt. You can take that off. There's not a question on there. I did take that off. All right, goals of the third party. Okay, so goals of the third party. Uh, remember, their goal, they, they know they're not going to win. All right, so most third-party candidates run, and they realize and they recognize, I don't stand a chance of winning this election. So what is their goal? The main thing is to get the big parties, Republicans and Democrats, to address their issues, to pick up their agenda. If they can do that, then that's a win for them. Okay. Uh, how is the parties or the system stacked against third-party candidates? Remember, this comes down to that winner-take-all versus proportional. And we have two states that do proportional where they split the votes for the Electoral College according to the percentages won. So Nebraska and Maine are the two. Nebraska has five votes. Maine has four. So in Maine, if it's split 50-50 between the Republican and Democratic Party there, then they both get two votes from Maine. Um, if it was, if a third-party candidate picked up enough, maybe it was 40-40-20 or something like that, they split the votes that way. Okay, so it's a system where they split the votes. Most states, 48 of them, Georgia included, does win or take all, where if you get just the simple majority of uh, popular votes, then you take all the electoral electoral college votes from that state. No third-party candidate is going to win 50% of the votes. 
because there's a, a idea out there amongst voters. If I vote third party, then I'm just throwing away my vote because they can't win. And there's enough people that believe that the third party candidates don't ever get enough votes because people don't want to throw away their vote. So it's a kind of a weird cycle. All right. Uh, interest groups. First off, you can throw out amicus curiae. Uh, we'll do that when we get to the uh, judicial branch. So no amicus curiae stuff on there. Uh, you got political parties versus interest groups, which we already kind of talked about. But this question is going to be a little bit different in that it is going to uh, be one of those table questions where you have the political parties on one side, you have interest groups on the other, and you got to pick out the, the accurate comparison of the two. Okay. So once again, political parties, broad, they run people for office. Uh, they're concerned about every issue that's out there versus interest groups, which are single issue. They don't want to influence the government. They don't want to control the government, so they're not going to run candidates. They just want to influence um, politicians. They do so with, you know, helping with campaigns and things like that. All right, lobbying. Remember, lobbying is something that is done on behalf of interest groups a lot of the time. And this is where they hire people to go and talk to congressmen. Okay, now what are they going to talking to them about? Their issues, whatever it might be. NRA's gun, environmental protection is uh, environment issues. Uh, tobacco is tobacco issues, so on and so forth. So they have people that have contacts in Congress that also will go talk to the congressmen that uh, the interest groups kind of have a relationship with and they will encourage them to act certain ways on certain pieces of legislation, whether it is making changes to the bill, whether it is killing the bill altogether, whether it's pushing it on through the, the, the House or the Senate, they're going to try and convince the Congress people to do what's best for the interest group. Okay, And it's just something that is easier for lobbyists to do than for a interest group president or something like that to go and try and talk I'm not saying that the president of an interest group, or that's, that's probably not the right word, whoever's in charge of the interest group, um, maybe they do have contacts, maybe they do go talk, speak on the interest group's behalf, but oftentimes it's easier to find someone who's a lobbyist because that's their job. And they have contacts, whether it is directly to senators and House members, whether it's to their aides, whoever it might be. All right, They usually have direct contacts. <clears throat> they can help them out. All right, free rider problem. Remember, I told you about this, and I told you I'm a free rider. Because interest groups cannot stop regular people who are not paying dues to the interest group from benefiting from whatever it is they get done. So you know, if they get teachers more pay here in Georgia, I'm going to get that pay raise, even though I don't pay dues to any of the teacher groups here in Georgia. All right, the Lincoln Institution stuff. That is the overarching theme of this unit, uh, and it's the fact that all of these things, voting rights, voter turnout, political parties, third parties, uh, elections, campaign finance, all that stuff is ways for us to connect with our politicians, with our government, beyond just going and, you know, having a conversation with them. This is a way to send messages. You know, elections, we send messages to politicians through our voting. If the Democrats lose the House and the Senate in 2022, that's a pretty clear message to the Democrats that something's got to change because they just had the 
they have the majority right now. And if they lose that, you know, that's a, a direct message to them. <clears throat> so it's not always about directly contacting someone. It's about getting messages, getting, you know, viewpoints and contacts. And it's two-way street as well. You know, the media is going to to let politicians know a lot of times how the people feel, but also they keep pe- the, the people abreast of what the politicians are doing. All righty. All right, electing a president. So the rules to of, of primaries, that stuff we talked about earlier when we talked about the nomination process, all that stuff is set up by the state and the parties. All right. So you have Republican primaries, you have Democratic primaries. The state that they're happening in and the Republican Party works on the Republican primary. The state that they're happening in and the Democratic Party works on the Democratic primaries, and they can set the rules. That's that open and close thing we're going to talk about next. So they will set all those rules. If they want to make it open, if they want to make it closed, uh, and things like that. All righty. Uh, closed versus open primaries. Remember, closed primaries, you got to be a registered Republican or a registered Democrat to vote in that primary. You cannot be a Democrat and go vote on the Republican side. You can't be a Republican and go vote on the Democrat side. Remember, the fear there is that the other side will come in and vote for the worst candidates. Open primaries is anybody can go vote for whoever. Uh, Georgia, uh, last time I checked, was an open primary. So you can go vote no matter what. Uh, The caucuses, remember, this is something I would not do because it's just, it's a time-consuming process. So, you go and you sit in a school gym, church thing, whatever those are, uh, and you listen to people talk about their candidates. And that, that takes a long time sometimes, especially if there's a bunch of candidates. And you might go sit with this side for a little bit. Then you might go sit with that side for a little bit or, or whatever it might be. At the end of the day, though, they're going to say, okay, who do you want to vote for? And you go stand or sit with that group. And you get counted, and you go. But it's just a long, drawn-out process. And so, like I said, I will not take part in it. I will not be voting, or I'd move to a state that doesn't do this. All righty. Uh, Iowa is the the big one. Uh, there's only like six states that do them. Iowa is the, the main one because it's the first one, remember. And uh, they do that so that they can have some kind of importance because it's, it's Iowa. I mean, who wants to be in Iowa. Sorry if you're from Iowa. But uh, the, the media is there. All the candidates, you know, the Republican candidates that decide to run in these things, they will set up offices well in advance of the Iowa caucus so that they can campaign and try and win this thing. Because it is a springboard, you know, as much as I make fun of it. Uh, it is a big deal for people to win in Iowa because of that, that first thing. All right, the next thing on your your uh, sheet is superdelegates, and it's not on our test. I took it off, but I do want to just talk about it for just a quick second. So in the primaries, when you go vote, you're voting for delegates who will then go to the national convention and vote for your candidate. So if you go in Georgia in 2024 and you vote for a Republican candidate, let's say it's Trump, and you vote for him and he wins Georgia, then he's going to get the Georgia delegates. I'm not sure what how many we have. It changes from time to time. Let's say it's 200. That means he has 200 votes going into the the, the national convention. Okay. Um, <clears throat> Democrats do the same thing. Now, like I've said, they won't need them in 2024 if Joe Biden runs. They won't primary him. 
So it won't be a thing. However, the last two election cycles, it has been because they've run uh, in the primaries. Okay. And so the uh, Democrats have the, the delegates, like the Republicans do, where if you win, uh, and they do proportional. So if you win 20% here in Georgia, you get 20% of the Georgia delegates. But they also have something called super delegates, super delegates, which they added about, oh God, it's been probably 30, 40, 50 years now. Uh, I can't remember exactly when they started. <clears throat> but anyways, it's to add some legitimacy to the process. And so superdelegates are former, po- former politicians, governors, presidents, all those kinds of things. And they are not beholden like a regular delegate is. So if I was running for the Democratic side and I won 30% here in Georgia, I would get 30% of the delegates. So I could count on those 30% to vote for me. However, the superdelegates, they don't have to. Even if I got 75% of the vote, I won the state going away. I was the most popular candidate. I might still lose because some superdelegates, and there's about 2,000 of them, some superdelegates would vote against me possibly. Okay? Uh, so it's just a Democratic thing. It's not on our test. You don't have to worry about it right now, but it's just something to keep in the back of your head. All right, and then table analysis. Uh, there is a table about one of the 2016 primaries, and you just got to read it and take some data. So still practicing that. All right, going to the back. Uh, incumbents advantage is pretty simple. You did this uh, most of the time. Incumbents, the people that are in office, are going to win, especially at the House and Senate level. At the House level, it's around 90% of the time, and the senators, it's about 70% of the time. So they win because they have name recognition. They have a record they can say they've done. There's just a lot of things that go into the uh, the incumbents. All right, modern campaigns, I took that part off. So you can, don't have to worry about that. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, finally, the stuff we did this week. So campaign finance, we did on Tuesday. PACs, political action committees. Remember, these are the organizations that were created to get around the limits placed on individual donations. So I'm limited to $1,000 I can donate to a candidate, but I have $10,000 that I want. So I'll give 1000 to the candidate, and then I'll give 9000 to this political action committee who will then turn around and either donate to the, the campaign or they'll do some campaign stuff such as running ads and stuff like that uh, to help. So political action committees, they are just a basically a fundraising form that gets around some of the limitations placed on uh, individuals. Uh, soft money, remember, that is the money that is going to parties and is not regulated versus hard money, which is the money that's going to candidates and is regulated. All right, so soft money goes to the parties and can be used um, really however they want to, and there's no tracking of it. They can do what they want and all that kind of good stuff, versus hard money, which goes to the the candidate themselves, and they have to uh, keep track of it, keep record of it, say how they're spending it, and all that kind of good stuff. Citizens United, on the test, there is a passage from the the case, from one of the justices, and you need to read it. But if you'll just be familiar, remember Citizens United, they had created a movie, Hillary, the movie, back in 2008, while Hillary Hillary was running against um, President Obama in in the 2008 Democratic primaries. Citizens United had taken money from businesses uh, corporations and the like. And the FEC said, you can't run those kinds of things while taking money 
from businesses. It's illegal. It's against the McCain-Feingold Act. Remember the, the bipartisan campaign to finance reform act, McCain-Feingold. Um, and so it's shut down the movie. Well, Citizens United is going to sue, for lack of a better word, challenge might be the better way to say it, uh, that decision. So that's why it's Citizens United versus FEC. The Supreme Court is going to rule in favor of Citizens United, and they're going to say that the money being spent is free speech. Corporations are individuals. Corporations, I mean, individuals have free speech. Therefore, corporations, businesses can spend the money how they want to, and it can be used how, it wants, how they want to. All right. So at the end of the day, it's a free speech thing, and the money is now tied, some of the campaign money is now tied to free speech. All right, finally, the stuff that we did uh, on Thursday in class. Remember, we went over this very quickly uh, for the media. You can take out investigative journalism. You can take out narrow casting. You can take out equal time, and you can take out right of reply. Although I did go over equal time, and I went over right of reply in class because we are going into campaign season, so it is kind of important. But uh, I took those two out just for to get the numbers down. Uh, the two that are left are agenda setting and watchdog function. Okay, agenda setting, remember, this is the media's ability <clears throat> to decide what is worth us as citizens knowing about. So they get news stories uh, on their desks. They get to decide, oh, the people need to know about that. Let's run a story on it. Okay. If they choose not to, we might not ever know about it. And I, I use the Flint, Michigan uh, story about the water. You know, the water's up there is not water. Drinking water is not good. I would never know if it wasn't for the media making a big deal about it. Also here at home, uh, Ahmed Arbery down in Brunswick, you know, the media picked up on that when the prosecution, <clears throat> uh, and this is before it went to trial and all that kind of stuff, but it was kind of swept under the rug. No one really knew about it uh, until the media picked it up and it made national headlines. And then all of a sudden the people were being charged and went to trial and all that kind of stuff. So uh, they get to decide what is going to, to make the news, what's important to us. So just keep that in mind when you're watching stuff. Uh, who chose this? You know, which side shows it? Am I watching Fox News? Am I watching CNN? Is it right-leaning? Is it left-leaning? So on and so forth. Because they do have an agenda. And then finally is the watchdog function, and that is just keeping a watchful eye on politicians uh, and trying to keep them in line because they let us know what they've done and what they've done wrong, sometimes what they've done right. Um, you know, if it wasn't for the news, we, I wouldn't know anything going on in D.C., you know, the, the, the politicians are only going to tell me the, the good news. They're never going to tell me the bad things. And so that's an important thing for uh, the media to do. All right, guys, as always, let me know if you have questions or concerns. Uh, text me on the remind, email me, whatever you need to do. Just get a hold of me and uh, we'll figure out whatever issues you might have. Uh, we'll take the test uh, in class on Friday. And I hope you have a great Thursday afternoon. Go outside and play. It's really nice weather for another day or two. So uh, go out and have some fun. And I'll uh, see you in class. Later, guys.